Hey, Latinos in Clinical Research, welcome back. We're doing a very special COVID series, and the first episode is actually going to be about sites and, Mm -hmm. you know, how COVID has affected sites. I know myself and Monica, and we have other people from from the site level on here as well. Um, I mean, COVID's affected sites for better or for worse. I think a little bit of, or not a little bit, a lot of both. Um, And I think there's a lot of things that we can discuss and see, you know, how does COVID change the research site going forward? Does it change it at all? Um, what are some of the challenges still going on with COVID uh, and things like that? So, you know, I'll introduce Monica. I want to thank Ashley for putting the series on. It's a great idea to do this. And then we, Chris will come on too. He runs a site with me. Um, and then Judy runs the site as well. So hopefully Judy joins us a little bit. Uh, and then let us know in the comments if anybody else from a site level, because we want to hear from you. We want to hear your comments. And uh, yeah, so we'll just uh, we'll go that way. So uh, Monica, you're the one from the our sites that is, you know, in the trenches every day dealing with patients. <laughs> CRAs, what is it like? What is it like during COVID? Like what's going on? Um, how did it affect the site for COVID? Obviously it affects, uh, like, like you were saying, positive in a positive way, in a negative way too. Uh, so let's just start with the negative and, the, and then we go with the positive part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The negative part, obviously, is that a lot of the patients got scared um, because of the virus. So especially because they relate somehow research with COVID, <laughs> just because obviously uh, a lot of this research was were happening in many sites, and and they just uh, they just well, a lot of our patients. Uh, uh, they thought that we were working with COVID at the office, even though that we say that we didn't and we start uh, following the guidelines and and we reduced the amount of patients that we were seeing daily. Uh, I will say that we uh, that we reduced that at least uh, 60%. And um, uh, so that, that was one of the things that the patients got uh, scared of about going to the site. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the, the the rest of the things, like, for example, monitoring visits and then um, uh, and the day-to-day uh, work at the office, uh, a lot of things we were able to do it remotely, like, for example, uh, completing regulatory, even though that we obviously don't bring the, the regulatory binders, we keep uh, all the records organized for each study. Um, so that was one thing that we that we were able to do. And uh, and then with the monitoring visits, uh, that what changed was that um, we were able to do it remotely. However, that's more work for the sites. Mm-hmm. Because when the monitor goes to the site, uh, you just leave the monitor there, work their own thing while you do other things. But when it's uh, remotely, you have to be there. So you, it's more work for the site. Yeah, I and I, I, and I, I think probably everybody will agree with me. <laughs> 
uh, or anybody that work in the in the uh, site level? What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things change for the better. I think very little has changed for the worse. I think yeah. all the bad things are temporary, in my opinion. I mean, you know, CRAs, everybody, we did a poll actually on Latinos in Research Instagram. Thanks to our amazing social media marketer, Shout Chanel. <laughs> Shout out to Chanel. But she she posted on Instagram a poll, and I did the same thing on my, on my Instagram. And 80% of sites... CRAs, CRCs, it was like 80% prefer in-person monitoring. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I think all the negatives like, you know, remote visits, uh, patients afraid to come in. I think the negatives uh, are short term, even if short term is like a year uh, in this case. I mean, we are in a pandemic, but I think long term. I think we see the importance of the site because, yeah, technology, you know, things like Viva are going to become increasingly important, especially with the e-regulatory that they do. And we hope to have somebody from Viva uh, join us and yeah. present for, on one of these Zooms. Um, so I think sites improved a little bit of their, if some, a lot more than others, of their capabilities. Uh, I think I personally know sites that have taken on COVID studies and have been making very good money as far as like revenues concerned. Um, so I think the good definitely outweighs the bad from a business perspective yeah. um, at a yeah. research site, even though the first three months was scary. I mean, everybody was scared those first three months. We didn't know what's going to happen, but I think long-term looking at this and I look really long-term, one of the most important things I think with this vaccine is that it's the first time it's a synthetic mRNA uh, vaccine. They can produce these things now mm-hmm. in days, yes. right? Even I hours. So it's going to lead to a whole new um, opportunity for vaccine yeah. studies. Like it's a paradigm shift. Yeah, expect- oh, sorry. Sorry, Monica. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, from the zero expect. Uh, perspective you know there's definitely like y'all said you know, more work I also I also feel like on our end there was as a remote type monitor there's a lot of work too because you know typically as you said the monitor goes on site and they clear out queries or anything like that any issues in this situation for the CRO um, you know we just have them backed up and until we can actually go on site so there's just a pile up so once the monitor is ready to go on site it's like okay I gotta be there for a few days because there's a lot, you know, that we got to clear out and confirm and all this stuff. So I think that, yeah, there was some negatives, but that brings way for a lot of innovation and finding better ways to now virtually confirm things, making it easier, you know, on both the site and the CRO or the sponsor, however you want to put it, making it more efficient, coming forward, uh, you know, making things move faster and quicker. And um, yeah, so I, pr- I feel like, and I know, I know you've said this before, Dan, where it's like, um, you know, during COVID, it's a lot of people saw, I feel like, you know, although it was bad, a lot of success because people had time to focus in on projects and really grow. And I mean, this organization yeah. is an testament to that. I mean, look at us, you know, here we are, we have uh, 800 and some followers now in a few months. Um, and, you know, what do you cr- think? Oh, go ahead. So I was going to ask, what do you think about the overall effects on healthcare? So um, I don't have my camera on because I'm driving back from Las Vegas where I just met with a neurologist who is about to go out of business. And I've seen this with rheumatologists, 
um, uh, neurologists, a lot of specialties whose patients have been so scared to come in the last year, they're almost out of business, which I think is going to lead to less access to healthcare, especially those that really need it. Um, mm-hmm. on, on the other hand, it's been an opportunity for me because now I'm bringing research to these doctor's offices. Um, so personally, it's yeah. been a benefit, but I think overall, there's going to be effect on the availability of access to healthcare because I think there's a lot of doctors that are going out of business or just closing their doors because they haven't been able to operate. I know of a couple of rheumatologists that have seen that because people have just, there's a large lot of people with autoimmune diseases or that are highly susceptible to COVID that are just terrified and have not left their house. They won't even go to doctor's appointments and it's actually to a disservice to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? Well, I mean, here we haven't, I actually haven't seen that personally. I have, I network with doctors a lot. Uh, I, Monica networks with doctors even more than I do. Uh, Monica's doing it all these days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's another webinar. That's another webinar in and of itself. Um, but Lee, yeah, I mean, I think the worst is behind us though, because I think anybody who was going to shut down from a doctor's office perspective, like not clinical research, just doctor's office. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep shutting down because in California alone, we had like 9 million people as of yesterday vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Right. And the state's has like what 45 million so that's what 20 percent maybe uh of the state already vaccinated and so i mean you're gonna get to the point where half of the population's vaccinated and i don't think patients are gonna be afraid for much longer to come out i know texas missouri just uh, completely opened up today 100 yeah. percent occupancy no masks Mm-mm. uh so as far as doctors are concerned, I understand, especially the ones who treat like highly, highly susceptible, uh, at risk patients. But I think those patients would be amongst the first to get vaccinated. I think it's another opportunity uh, yeah. with those doctors to do research, like mm-hmm. for sites. Exactly. Yeah, I actually got one doctor contacted me uh, two days ago uh, because he has kind of the same issue. And now he's planning on opening research. So um, there, there are a lot of more opportunities. I mean, especially if you have a, <laughs> a doctor degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am reading right now a message by Leslie Pink. She's saying, if there is a business that might go out of business, they should contact me, please. Leslie Francis uh, at Seniors Health, and she left the phone number there. Phone number uh, is 352 352- Two one four eight seven six five. That's three five two two one four eight seven six five. If yeah, if you're a doctor's office or a site, I guess about to go out of business, Zinios mm-hmm. is here to help. Uh, yeah. uh, and I, thank you, Leslie, for that. I appreciate you uh, asking that question, Lee, because you know that's partially why we wanted to have this webinar because we know that there's been a lot of discussions about COVID, but um, as far as clinical research is concerned, we really wanted to focus on the questions that people really aren't, well, at least that uh, we haven't heard of that they're talking about. For instance, you know, how are subjects getting affected in the research, right? If you're having a patient on a protocol that also took the vaccination, how are you, how's the site handling it? If there's side effects coming from that vaccination and how you're documenting it and going about, you know, 
through the protocol and all those things like that. So um, we want to talk about these specific topics because, you know, sites are going to be going through this as the vaccination continues to roll out and pe- more and more people, especially those that uh, are can be, you know, that are more susceptible, right? And those typically have comorbidities. Those are the ones that are also involved in research, right? So um, we wanna make sure that we're talking about these things, um, really important questions to be to be uh, asked and, and spoken about. Um, so thank you so much for that as far as- um, Yeah, uh, no, Lee's always bringing the good questions in. Yes. <laughs> By the way, if anybody has questions, either type them or ch- speak up like Lee did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as a CRA, because I monitor a few sites, I've noticed I have a, like one site in San Francisco, which was a very strict, still is a strict city, like one of the strictest probably in the country, actually. Uh, they have not screened one patient uh, since the pandemic started, I want to say. And then I have another one in LA, same study, and they have, but they're nowhere near screening like what they would have. So I know it's impact, and this, uh, these are oncology studies. So I know it has impacted screening in a major way. Now, both of those sites are starting to pick up their activity. Um, but look what's going to happen now. Sponsors are, and Ashley, you can maybe talk about this, but sponsors are having to change protocols now. So I know some spo- some protocols are having a special um, uh, procedure for patients like for the e for the ie criteria inclusion exclusion for patients who have had the vaccine right like i've seen some studies where they're not allowing people with vaccine i've seen some studies where they are i've seen some studies where they're making it a mandatory for the patient so it's all over the place really um as far as the sponsors are concerned but from the site's perspective there's a lot of opportunities i think there's going to be a lot of long-term uh, safety studies for these vaccines. I think there's going to be more treatment studies because uh, even if half of the population gets vaccinated, and I think that's a lot. I mean, I don't know if that's even going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have the other half not vaccinated. They're going to need treatments. This is just going to lead to more studies, both for the vaccine and for treatments. And the fact that we can create, or not we, but the industry can create vaccines for other indications now so quickly, it's going to open up. I mean, that's a whole new platform, the mRNA, synthetic mRNA for uh, new vaccines going forward and new studies that, that haven't been uh, even thought about in the past. So I personally, I'm very bullish on the industry as a whole and for sites mm-hmm. also, um, Chris, who's yeah, on, negotiates budgets. Is, yeah. I mean, he's a good indicator. You know, Chris, I don't know if you're on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a good yeah. barometer for the industry <laughs> because through our consulting service, you negotiate anyone's budget who wants it negotiated. So based on how he many... He does a really good job, too. Oh, there you go. Lee. I think you leave. <laughs> I've seen budgets from people who don't use you and ours is substantially higher so very good job chris thank you for your service absolutely thank you chris is happy and blushing now thank you about blushing but happy (laughs) so what's what's the pulse you got your finger on the pulse of the industry as far as study so what's what are you seeing you're seeing you've been busier than ever yeah it's still predominantly covid related uh covid or covid related um 
but there's certainly studies in other indications. It's just not what I would expect. So this is the busiest time of year for seeing budgets, uh, studies being awarded, I would say. And it's probably 60% of what it was last year, pre-COVID. I guess right now it's kind of COVID. So maybe the year before, about 60% of pre-COVID levels for other indications. But certainly uh, the COVID studies make up for that. There's more studies now than ever, including COVID. Yeah, well, we have, we are been having, receiving a lot of more leads for studies this time than ever. Like right now I have many feasibility questionnaires to fill up. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're still very prevalent. And most of the sites are, I shouldn't say most, but many sites are doing a lot of COVID studies. So, you know, they're, they're focusing on that and they don't have time for the other studies. So it just makes the, the necessity for, for sites and participation just all that much more because they're overall, when you include COVID, there's more studies now than ever. Yeah, yeah sure. I agree. And, and, and also it's pushing the industry obviously to, uh, to bring to to develop new uh, technology to make it happen, mm-hmm. and 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 I have seen also not all but a lot of the uh, the um, uh, the budgets have been adjusting to this to the to the COVID uh, in different ways. Uh, what do you think about that, Chris? So the biggest adjustment is the need for PPE and maybe overhead. So overhead's a little higher now because there is additional time requirements for the site in terms of cleaning and, and dealing with um, the potential for COVID. So it does, it's a little bit more time intensive for sites um, and the sponsors recognize that. So they are paying a little bit more for overhead and maybe just a straight fee for PPE too. And depending on the study, maybe they provide P, uh, PPE. And the, and the monitoring visits now, uh, remote monitoring visits. Some studies paid for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and also, obviously, I have seen also some protocols that uh, have been adjusting also, for example, to, uh, to add telehealth now to the, to the mm-hmm. visits, which in the past was much more difficult to see something like that. I mean, even with the COVID still, <laughs> still the, the studies are still adjusting, but uh, I have been seeing it more than before. So with the telehealth, <clears throat> so that, that, that's, like, dep- that's dependent on a lot of factors and what, if at all, the sponsor will pay for that. Um, many providers already have a telehealth system in place. So they will pay for it if something needs to be implemented oftentimes, their expectations are that especially private practices already have some sort of telehealth in place. Yes. Hey, we this are... is Hi, Cassandra. Hi. Hey. <laughs> I just wanted to see, could I share some, some observations that I've had? Yes, Absolutely. for sure. Oh, okay. Awesome. So sorry, it's my husband's birthday. So I, I wanted to join, but I'm not on video. But um, so what we've seen on the, on the technology side, right, like 70% of our sponsors and CRO clients have adopted new technology. So where before they were only thinking about ETMS, since COVID, we've seen greater adoption in like e-feasibility 
as like it was a nice to have and now they're coming to us saying hey you know you you guys do ecms like can you guys do more we've seen also remote monitoring rooms which a lot of people were like no we're good now they're saying like what do you have how can you help us how can we get um the monitoring done from from our sites because everyone's remote now so um, we've seen from the technology side a lot of greater adoption where a lot of sponsors were like, yeah, it's good, we're good, we're covered. And then now they're saying like, actually, they're coming to us saying, what, what can we do? How can you help? Um, so that has been a huge change, change and increase that I think we didn't see prior to COVID and we're now seeing it. Yeah, for sure. I, and, I, and I feel like it's, again, a big opening for like... Um, partnerships and things like that, you know, not just on the like tech side, but, you know, in the sense of, you know, uh, like Leroy had uh, mentioned, you know, where doctors are going out of business, it's an opportunity for them to link up with home health or for provider care services and find ways to direct their, you know, services to their patients that with um, companies that are already going to the home, right? There's a lot of different ways to think outside the box and bring some innovation. It's just a matter of, you know, who can we call? Who can we speak to? Who can we network with? And that's why we have, you know, Latinos in clinical research, right? We want to bring all that here together. Um, we are working on future projects that we want to bring in, you know, the tech aspect and all sorts of other things so that we can bring more resources to you, right? Because ultimately, right, it's, it's a about word of mouth, but and find those resources. So um, definitely, again, you know, thank you, Cassandra. It's really helpful that you, you speak out and let us know on your perspective and for everybody else too, because um, we get to see what it is that your challenges are, what you're going through. Um, it helps us kind of figure out how it is that we can help as an organization, right? Um, but I guess going back to, you know, the topic. Um, so something that I, I was personally interested um, to know, you know, is you all as uh, clinical research professionals, maybe even site owners, you know, uh, bringing up the topic of vaccination because our next webinar on this COVID series is going to be specifically on discussing vaccinations and comparing them and all of that. Um, how how are y'all going about it here at your sites? Are you all getting vaccinated? Is it obviously it's not? I don't think it's being mandatory, but I know for different areas, you know, I've heard of people all sides completely getting both doses, some getting dosed, some of them not. And I'm just curious about, you know, how things are happening. Um, I don't know, Monica, if you want to maybe start in on how y'all are going about it at your site. Well, we, right now, we, obviously the, the vaccines are not yet available for everybody. So we kind of waiting on that. Um, and see what's going to happen. But uh, we were thinking, and actually we discussed this with Julie the other day, that we were thinking uh, if, if, for example, if a site should make uh, this uh, like uh, mandatory for the employees or not, because at the end of the day, you're dealing with patients uh, every day. And then the same thing happens with the patients, because obviously the patient's could also bring the condition or the, uh, the COVID to the to the site, so it really I, I think that's that's a matter also of the I mean the the different type of sites, the amount of patients that they see, the the group of of uh, people working at the site, and then uh, obviously the the therapeutic area where they uh, specialize on because there are some uh, conditions that are obviously more critic more critical than than older ones. So it, it goes, um, th that will be something like it goes case by case, mm -hmm. I will say, 
depending on the site and all the characteristics that's, that involve this. Yeah, uh, sure. I know some sites that, uh, uh, for example, with uh, the specialized oncology that everybody has already been vaccinated. Yeah, everyone on my site has been vaccinated. Awesome, awesome. That, that's great. Was that Lee? Was that um, company mandate or just that's how it happened to play out? Uh, no. Well, what happened was because we're doing almost exclusively COVID trials right, right now. We're doing another vaccine trial. It's not a COVID trial, but um, uh, we had everybody, everybody went and got it on their own except for one coordinator. Um, and I told her, you know, she qualifies for it. She said, I said, you know, she said she didn't want to get it. And I, I told her it was her, her choice. I'm not, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it's a free country. She can get it or not. But I did tell her that, you're still going to be expected to work with COVID patients and you haven't been here six months yet. So it, if you get sick, you're just out. It's not like hazard pay or anything. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll pay for you to go get vaccinated, but you know, you can live or you're going to have to live with your choices one way or the other. I'm not going to force you to get vaccinated. And then she was like, well, what if I get COVID? And I go, well, when you get COVID, I'm, you know, so she went and got a vaccine. She's like, yeah, I better get vaccinated. <laughs> I said, good decision. I mean, it's a workplace hazard. I had this conversation with Chris myself, you know, um, in July, I'm moving to Arizona. There was an opportunity, Lee. And by the way, Lee, what is your study, the other vaccine study that you have that's not COVID? Is that, do you know if that's an mRNA vaccine or a old school vaccine? I don't have it yet. Okay. Um, I don't have it yet, but there's actually, there's actually two, uh, okay. two different vaccines for two different indications. Okay. Uh, one, one is mRNA yeah. and one is, See? Um, but I don't want to go into too much detail. Yeah, uh, no, don't. No, we don't want you to get uh, sued <laughs> or lose the study right. over this, but this just proves my point. You know, my hypothesis is that look, this mRNA thing, people are just thinking this is not a big deal. It's just COVID. This is not just COVID. This is a new way to do vaccines. This is opens up a whole new opportunity for vaccine studies, not just COVID. Right. Um, but Chris and I had this conversation about the site we're going to open in Arizona in July because um, we were getting COVID studies, like potential COVID studies, and we still might. And I had COVID, so, but this would be the six months after, and most of the data shows six months you have immunity of some sort. Uh, so because it was going to be COVID study, I was going to get vaccinated uh, if we were going to do COVID studies and anybody who works there kind of like Lee, you know, I would have kind of had the same conversation with them. So it's really like case by case. What is your site doing? Like if you're doing just psychiatric, I don't know. I mean, you hope the patients, you hope enough of the patients have been vaccinated to where they're not spreading. It's a sensitive, uh, issue. And, you know, luckily we have small sites, because I could see how this is a very controversial issue, even like for the bigger sites who do all kinds of studies. And I just wanted to know what other people think on this Zoom about this. I mean, I don't have answers. I'm just, uh, you know, thinking out loud. Yeah. And I see Letty. Letty, we're supposed to have a, a phone call. I am sorry. You know, I don't know what we're doing. I know we're where just, to find you, Dan, not to worry. <laughs> we're just phone tagging it up for two weeks. But uh, Letty, you do patient recruitment, right? 
You know, uh, we impact patient recruitment through uh, site identification um, and pre-feasibility okay. services. So we do have, uh, yeah, just the, the technology around uh, data-driven uh, site identification. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is, you know, so obviously to, for me. Yeah, go for it. Not to put you on the spot, but like, what are you guys doing? Like, as far as from a feasibility, is this even a question you're asking sites? Like, hey, do you have a vaccination plan? Uh for no, the staff we, or anything like that? I would imagine our clients do that. So we we're, we pretty much provide the, the avenue to um, accelerate site identification based on, you know, sort of our data analytics. Okay. Um, and so we make nominations, but ultimately it's, yeah. So it's, it's the sponsors that are kind of getting that, that depth and, and breadth of, you know, yeah. the, yeah. Ashley, I, you're I, at a I, CRO. Do they mandate, uh, they have, I don't think any CRO has mandated vaccinations no. for their series, right? No, my CRO is um, very, very supportive in like, uh, you know, everyone's individual perspective as far as whether they want to take it or not. And I'm super grateful for that. Um, yeah. So no, nothing like that. I mean, I, I do see, um, you know, not just for our CRO, but probably, you know, all CROs where there might be an issue as far as like traveling later for any CRO, traveling CROs that, may not want to get the vaccine or, you know, so, I mean, I can, I can see how there's, there might be issues moving forward once things start to really relax and stuff like that, especially if, if there's any, you know, sites that are in different States and they're having to constantly fly and stuff like that. There's going to be, I think there's a lot of hurdles that still need to be overcome for sure. Most definitely. And it's like, you know, and then it comes down to also like a topic that we had spoken about last time where was, um, you know, how they're uh, putting first, right, those that are vulnerable, but then also the healthcare workers. However, clinical research is considered, you know, you're in the healthcare setting, you're, you're in a site, you're working with patient subjects. Um, why isn't that, you know, they're not being put at the top of the line as well, right? For those that more specifically want it. And I think, Monica, I think the last time we spoke, you had mentioned that um, the ACRP had sent out a letter for, uh, advocation, I think it was you or Judy had mentioned it for. I think Judy mentioned it. Judy, yeah. yeah, it was a letter sent up ACRP to advocate for clinical researchers to, um, to yeah. be you know pushed forward. So, yeah. Uh, I um, yeah, we discussed that the other day uh, about the the because I actually was looking today at the CDC website. And I couldn't find anything related to clinical research workers. They're like not, yeah, else. they won't have it. They're, what they're <laughs> going to do, else. the CROs and the sponsors, they're so big. If They're not going to make a decision because if they make any decision on either side, they're open to liability. If they tell their staff you have to get, if you're a traveling CRA, you have to get vaccinated. And then somebody gets like a really bad AE or maybe not even a really bad AE, you know, they're going to be open to liability and vice versa. If they tell them, well, it's optional, you know, then somebody's going to get COVID and then blame them, you know, so this is a no win. I think what they're going to do is follow federal uh, guidelines, CDC guidelines, like, like you were saying, Monica, but I mean, this is not going to be this industry is not going to be the one to innovate on this front. You know, we did enough innovating with creating the vaccine and all that stuff and doing the studies. They're not going to innovate in terms of policy or like setting, setting, uh, 
you know, the policy for for what they should be doing. They're going to follow CDC guidelines. And right now it's um, very vague. There's nothing right. Uh, I know the airlines, some of the airlines uh, started doing vaccination requirements, but not all or not most. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least there's been talk about that. So I don't know. This is going to be interesting, definitely interesting going forward. But a lot of the interesting things that happened during COVID that kind of get lost in in the mix. So there was the entire movement. This is why Latinos in Clinical Research was born. I mean, and then Black women in Clinical Research, who we've kind of followed, you know, were kind of riding in their in – their, um, where they blazed the trail and and we're following, but there was a lot of whole bunch of talk about equality inclusion 2020 that I think is impacting the industry in a tremendous way. One of the ways being, you know, we need more clinicians who are actually treating these patients, these underrepresented patients to do research. Then there was the mRNA vaccine. That's like a paradigm shift. Now there's an explosion in gene therapy They've discovered, this one is really underrated, they discovered, algorithms discovered how proteins fold Mm -hmm. so they can make molecules like really quickly because they know how the proteins are going to react. This is all bullish signs for the industry Mm -hmm. and for employment as well because, look, with more studies, you're going to need more staff to work it. So all these issues we're dealing with now, I think these are just short-term issues. I don't think remote monitoring is here to stay, but I'm just one person. I mean, I think remote monitoring is going to become a tool. So maybe not every visit is going to be in person, Mm -hmm. but I think the majority Mm -hmm. of visits will be because monitors prefer and sites prefer that. Uh, I also don't think the majority of patient visits are going to be, be virtual, but I do think it's going to be option in some cases. So the hybrid model of patients and monitoring, I think we're going to see that. And who knows, maybe that allows for more efficient trials or greater capacity of doing studies. I don't know. That remains to be seen. It's all theories at this point. And, and we have major consolidation in the CRO space. Mm-hmm. We just went from six major CROs to five. What happens when we go to from five to four or five to three? Um, you know, where I mean, they're now going to dictate basically innovation. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the consolidation is probably the like the bearish model because if basically consolidation stifles innovation, and I think we would have less trials if there was only one CRO. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that we're gonna learn this year in 2021. For sure. And just to top off what you said, you know, considering everything you said, I I, I could agree 110 percent. Um, and I think for that saying that if you are with a major CRO that has any teachings or training that they make available, uh, we are in the technological era, and I think we're going to be moving forward from here on out with that. Just like Dan had said, you know, we're going to be doing this in in person, but maybe also a little bit virtual as well as other like techs and stuff. So uh, focus, you know, education in that area, focus in the vaccinations, focus in gene therapy, um, learn some courses on all this, because this is really where everything's going. Um, I don't, I generalize your information, learn more and try to pack on that 
that that knowledge because ultimately I think especially as you're going forward whether you're at site level or you're at a lower level at a CRO you know the more knowledge you come with especially gearing towards what the future is coming with you know I think you have a lot to move forward with that. I mean, it's kind of jumping off topic, but I just felt like I needed to say that based off what was Dan, Dan was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, going back to the sites, and uh, Dan, what, 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 he was asking, um, what was her name? It's, um, Tina, I think. Letty. Let Letty, sorry, Letty. Uh, about the feasibility questionnaires. And I have seen in the feasibility questionnaires, obviously a lot of questions about COVID and if the site has any, uh, like a backup plan in the case that it comes back again or, or that we have to be uh, again in quarantine. Uh, so that's one question that I have seen more. And also, um, sorry, Letty, <laughs> that I forgot your name. <laughs> Uh, and then no uh, the other quest, the other thing that I have seen is if the site has availability to do um, the telehealth. So Absolutely. those are two questions that I haven't seen before, and now I'm seeing yep. it in every single feasibility. Yeah, absolutely. That I can. That is precisely our reality. Um, and, and, and again, because we, the way we, we, um, we're applying, obviously, uh, exclusively working through a, a platform. So technology is the way that we are uh, moving forward as it relates to, you know, uh, onboarding sites. And so um, our, our feasibility is, you know, it's, it's a platform, Excelitrol, which is our um, proprietary system. But I have to say, that has been on the site level, as well as for the sponsors, um, an incredible, yet yeah, well positioned during these times for sure. But I think that uh, we have been uh, adding in those pieces of operational readiness, you know, sort of what, it, what is the uh, timelines, um, what is the bandwidth in terms of research staff, all critical pieces that as we partner with sponsors, that's exactly uh, the kind of information we want to ensure that we're capturing proactively um, to to ensure that um, you know the sites have that available and and you know it it it's something that is uh, critical to you know report back to the sponsors. Letty, I want to ask you a kind of obvious question, <laughs> but I can I can help it. I want to ask uh, uh, ask this: Is um, like for example, if a site doesn't have any any backup plan or anything put in place to uh, to cover for this COVID, will they be get like disqualified or like, I mean, that if a site doesn't have a, a backup plan, then they will be just like out of the equation? <laughs> you know, they're prioritizing. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what it is. It's a, it's a prioritization depending on what we're recruiting for. So obviously for COVID there's, because of the competitive landscape for our COVID trials, I think that uh, there tends to be Yes and no, and you know, there's always sort of uh, depending on the study team, different levels of flexibility. But absolutely, if prioritization is based on, you know, are they able to um, effectively, um, you know, have access to EHR, uh, telehealth, uh, you know, monitoring, um, you know, just virtual visits, a combination of, you know, uh, telephone and and sort of through Zoom. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, clearly those are the sites that are being prioritized. 
that's great to know. Or for example, sites that have interest on it and they will be open to to be part of a study uh, if involves telehealth, but they don't have like, the experience. That's, that will be another uh, factor. I think that they probably, the sponsor would probably prioritize too. Yeah, sure. Yep, definitely. I would agree. Yeah, and that brings up the another macro overarching theme is the data companies are going to win. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get to the point where the vendors, either they get acquired by the CROs or they're going to become more dominant than the CROs. Because right now the CROs run the industry. I mean, mm -hmm. sure, the sponsors pay for everything, but there's only five major CROs. They do like, what, 80% of the studies? Somebody's got to do the, the, the survey on that. But um, let's say five CROs do 80% of the studies. So the other 100 do the other 20. And now you have only a few um, really like high-tech vendors out there. I'm not going to name any, but you all know who they are if you're in the industry. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to get better because they're the ones investing in this. The CROs don't want to invest in technology. They do it because they have to. Mm -hmm. And now that you're going to get less CROs competing, they're going to have less incentive to invest in these kind of platforms. And so it's going to open the way for, you know, the tech vendors in this space. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. But the sites... The site's definitely not investing in technology. They're lucky to do the e-source, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about big data, analytics, AI, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Judy. I'm joining the call. Judy! Judy. I saw Judy. the chat. We're talking about you. Uh -huh. you are I the... just wanted to kind of get my input, my yeah. input on this. Um, because I think I agree with all of you, but I think it's a combination as a site, you have to start investing in some of these electronic systems. If not, you're, you're not going to last. I mean, honestly, this last year kind of showed us like who is going to be able to continue and who won't be able to continue. And you have to get with it. Um, at the same time, the CRO sponsors are, are using all these different vendors. Like we just had a SIV last week with a sponsor on a child migraine study. And they have a system they're using, I forgot who the vendor is, that has electronic source, electronic like um, regulatory, IVRS within the system. I forgot everything, there's only one login. We're only logging into one system to do everything for the wow. patient. And I know it's awesome. It's, I didn't even realize they had that already. <laughs> so I think that's the way it's gonna be. If that happens to work, and I guess they're implementing it with all their studies, um, that's gonna be the way to go. The less vendors they work with, and they just have this one vendor that incorporates yeah. all of those systems, that's the one that's going to win. The <laughs> so end, we need the, the name of that vendor. <laughs> well, we all know the name of the vendor. Uh, uh, there, um, I think, at least I think I know who it is. But the, yeah, the one who is going to be able to own the e-source, own the EDC, mm -hmm. connect exactly. those two things together. And make them talk to each other. That's the key. If they get, like the, the study, they're all going to talk to each other. So right. everything we're doing in the study, it goes into the system and it's feeding into all these different IVRS, EDC, whatever. Um, and we don't have to like go and log in and pull the report for labs and, and none of that. So that's awesome. I but love take that. It, take <laughs> it one step further, Judy, because, okay, let's say this is a vendor. It's not a CRO, but let's say the vendor becomes a CRO or acquires a CRO. And then mm -hmm. we already know CROs are opening sites. Mm -hmm. So 
is this whole end-to-end solution really a way for like one company to run an entire trail? You know, no, they, they can't. You know, I don't, I don't think that's think... gonna work that model because honestly, we're on a trial, and I, I just got on the trial because I wanted to see what it was like. We're on a virtual trial with a company, and we're reviewing our charts. If we find any potential candidates. We're going to send it to the company and they, they go forward with contacting the patient, rolling, doing remote visits, whatever. Um, but that's not working. It's not working for the study we're on. I don't see it working for a lot of other studies. I think the concept seems like it would work. But now that they're actually doing it, they're not enrolling. They're not getting the patients they need. They still need the sites to do the work too. So I don't think you can eliminate sites. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I took on that study is I just wanted to see how it, how it was going to work. Um, and, I, I agree yeah. with you, jo- Judy. I think the personal, the face-to-face and the contact mm-hmm. is important. Especially exactly. with, you know, minority groups, right? More specifically, yeah. like Latinos, it's super important how we can connect with them. And it's uh, especially because, you know, some of the groups, they're not everybody's uh, fully inclined with all these new technologies, lack of resources and things like that. So to just assume that they'd be comfortable doing something virtually uh, when it's already difficult enough, sometimes just getting them in the clinic and talking one-on-one with the doctor and feeling comfortable, you know, it's very difficult. And you're right. You're right, because we're throwing all these systems on these patients and subjects because we do a lot of children adolescent studies and we have an e-diary and then they have to like do all these other things electronically. And maybe the younger generation, we catch it on very fast. The older, you know, patient population, they're not that tech savvy or they don't want to do it. They don't want to be on their phone and computer trying to do all these things. So it's going to be a combination. I think there's going to be hybrid models, you know where you do need those sites and you can do a lot of stuff electronically, but to go 100% electronic for everything is not going to work. Definitely not in Hispanic communities. I don't know about other communities, but it's not working right now. It didn't work yeah. last, last year. We had a lot of issues with that. Even with the consent, that was an issue. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess this will, last year we went through a lot of changes. This year will be, I guess, where, what vendors are going to dominate, what studies are going to work, what studies don't, what type of models work. Um, we'll find out this year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and if- I agree with you totally, Judy. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 even, I mean, not just with the Latino population, but for for example, for us, just the the we work with CNS patients, and just the 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 just to complete the in form of consent form electronically was a hassle. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we ended up doing everything just in paper, uh, mm-hmm. because. Some patients definitely, they just mm-hmm. don't like it. They can do it or it's, sometimes it's difficult. Uh, like let's say, for example, patients that are elderly, that's, that's another population that more mm-hmm. likely is not going to like that. And, right. and obviously, they are sometimes open for that and you can guide them and help them. But uh, sometimes because the technology is too advanced for them, it's, it's, diff- it's difficult for them even if they are open to complete this or to follow the instructions. Uh, yeah. so, so, so if, for example, if you send one of these patients home with a diary, electronic diary, probably that data is not gonna be that good because they don't even know how to use it, even if you spend hours explaining them. Right. And yes. the other issue that we gotta consider, like sites who have these, is we're gonna be investing more money and time into staff, maybe even having staff just training our patients on how to use the electronic diary, how to do everything else. 
um, kind of like where they can contact them whenever they need them um, for site staff, because um, a coordinator can't do this all, they need support. Um, so as we start moving forward and doing all that, you know, digital electronic stuff, who at the site is going to be responsible for ensuring all of that works and that patients are doing it. Um, and that can't be the coordinator, it has to be additional people, maybe we need our own IT people within our site, I don't know, you know. Yeah, there's uh, there's right. a lot there's a lot to follow into that. It's um it's definitely going to be an interesting next I think two to three years to see how much mm -hmm. growth this is going to bring and what like transitions it's going to bring on sites. Um, but I definitely feel that with our population Latinos um, and also other minority populations, it's really important and a super huge uh, factor we need to focus on. And and I that's why I want. Uh, we all want this, you know, organization to be kind of that bridge with the sponsors and um, even the tech vendors, you know, so that they can understand that it's not just about making it easy and efficient because even easy and efficient, you know, um, perspectives different uh, or different, right? Depending on where you're coming from and, you know, your region and, and how old you are and, and your background. And so, I mean, me personally, <laughs> before this, uh, for this webinar, I was having a hard time just trying to get my, the Latinos logo on the Zoom call for the background, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, you know, younger generation, you know, so like it takes time. It's, it's difficult, you know, we, we all adjust differently. And so, um, and I think if most of our subjects are going to be, um, a certain age range and things like that, you have to really take into consideration uh, what they prefer, right? And so um, we're hoping that maybe we could be that bridge and and through you all uh, giving us your perspectives, you know, being that voice from the sites or the, the CRO aspect that would be very helpful to, to get some more input. But yeah, I mean, it's... It's very, very interesting. We'll see how all this plays out. <laughs> what, um, this is Judy. What I can recommend to, to sites, um, that's something that we've already implemented. You guys probably talked about it, electronic regulatory system or a CTMS that has electronic regulatory e-source in there. It's in a, if you find the right system, it's amazing. The electronic regulatory, oh my gosh, has saved us so much time, so much paper that we don't have to keep, binders we don't have to keep. The fact that I can just, give monitor access and they can get whatever documents they need. Um, definitely that is one recommendation for anybody that is looking to transition, look into a, a really good system because that's going to save you a lot of time and money too in the long, long run. Who, who do you use, Judy? We're not, I mean, we're not uh, trying to plug, but no, that's, that's okay. But there. actually it's a really good system. Um, we use real time and I like it because I wanted something that had a financial component to it. Uh, I can keep track of the studies, the subjects, all the visits, all the unscheduled procedures. That was an issue before that I had to keep going back to my staff and like, okay, what did you do? And when did you do this? Um, aside from that, the e-regulatory, which gives, um, you can give monitors access, you can give auditors access. They can um, download everything in a PDF. You can email them a link. If you upload something, they can go back and get it. Um, they can look at it anytime because it's um, web-based. Um, then there's the e-source, which we just started doing in December. And I'm not an expert on it. It is very challenging to try to work with e-source and patients and get a flow. That's that's the one thing that we're having um, a little a little hard time with. But I think we're going to get it. So do you um, use, and then do you yeah. use e-regulatory with all? Do you use e-reg e-reg with all studies? Yes. Yes. All your studies. Uh, we implemented it. Yeah, we actually implemented it back in 2019. 
So we had already any new studies we got in 2019, we started doing that. Then we already had it in place last year. Um, the only new thing we added was the electronic source, which we barely started using for any new study as of December. So and, barely, what, three months you had ago? no objections for CROs or sponsors over the EREG? Uh, I didn't really ask. So they don't really, I didn't really give them a choice. <laughs> okay. That's I one way to go. Everybody who has, no, they, I didn't really ask, but I, have, I have, do have to say all the monitors that have used it have, were very happy with it easy to use they liked it even if they had no background on real-time ctms they were able to find what they needed i haven't had any pushback on it and so yeah we're, we're using it <laughs> very nice can reach out and yeah. see if we can get a demonstration yeah that'd be mm -hmm. great yeah we're gonna we're gonna start we started using a uh, viva vault for regulatory and I like I like Viva Vault is good. I like Viva Vault. I like it because like uh, like Yuri was saying, it it saves time because all the the document there are some documents that you're going to cross with older studies. Like for example, let's say the principal investigator CV that goes in all the studies. So you're only uploading it once, but then it goes to all the studies, and then it will give you the the alarms. Uh, when is this going to expire? So uh, you receive an email, and then the person that uh, that needs to upload the document, or like for example, if the uh, principal investigators need to sign and 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 upload a new uh, CV, then they will get an older email. So I think it's 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 a, it's, it's great. <laughs> Definitely something to look into for sure. Yeah, we use uh, yeah. Viva Vault as well. It's, I like that system. It's really good. Really, really good. Well, um, I guess we should start wrapping it up. It's about to be 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, so thank you, everybody, for showing up. I really appreciate it. Um, we do have another meeting, again, uh, for COVID-19 vaccinations, where we'll be going over in detail each of the vaccinations and kind of giving some descriptions and discussions off of each one. And I know that Johnson and Johnson just came out recently. Yeah, so that's going to be, yeah, we're going <laughs> to have some interesting conversations yeah. on that. Um, so yeah, um, definitely want to don't miss out on that. Wait for our posts to come up. It will be coming up shortly. Uh, we will have our next meeting official monthly webinar uh, on the 9th, correct, Monica? Yes. What March time? 9. Yeah, March 9. Uh, I will confirm in a second. I think it's going to be at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Pacific, Pacific Standard, Standard Time. Standard time. Uh -huh. Yeah, and then the and then the following uh the the vaccination is going to be on the 19th. The 16th. March 19th. Oh, 16th. 16th, sorry. Yeah, yeah 16 <laughs> at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. We will we will have those posted up on our LinkedIn and you will get uh, email notifications. If you are not already subscribed uh, to our, our website, to the login, please do so. We already uh, posted up the link and we will post it up again right now uh, so that you can go in and register. This is just so that we also have your information on our actual email list. So uh, just in case you're not always on LinkedIn, you will get a notice uh, via email. Um, so yeah, well, and I... I, I yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that was pretty much everything. Um, what I did want to mention, I know that uh, they're both here, Christine Narro and Cassandra Andrade. They are our, our new uh, Latinos in Clinical Research ambassadors. Just wanted to make a shout out to them. They have been amazing, uh, assisting us in posting and also you know providing some really great help and information. So we really appreciate it. Um, 
I know that uh, somebody had reached out to Dan on Instagram and had uh, asked if we were looking for any other ambassadors. So if you are interested, uh, we are happily, you know, willing to talk and, and see how we can help each other. We definitely want to uh, grow the organization um, as much as we possibly can. Right, Monica? Yes. <laughs> so I was going to mention that if uh, this is another way to subscribe, this was uh, designed by our ambassador, Christine. Uh, so you can use this, uh, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, Share. This, uh, <laughs> the QR code. Uh, QR code. The, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> QR code. This, you can use this as uh, just like uh, like the menus in the hospital, I, I mean, in the, in the restaurants. Just mm -hmm. use to get to the, our, the so, yeah. Our social media tree right so they can instantly take you to our website uh, our ig our facebook's and all of our, and our websites and everything um i don't know monica did you want to share our um our medical our, our medical our electronic flyer or did you want to wait till we maybe posted that on online yeah i can share it of course okay. yes Awesome. So we'll be posting the electronic flyer here. If you all, you know, know of any vendors or of any sponsors or anything like that of connections that you want to share our information with them, uh, we'll be adding the flyer on here shortly. Uh, please go ahead and share that uh, just to kind of spread the word. We really want to do everything we can as, as an organization to represent, um, you know, uh, our minority, minority group as Latinos and um just grow as much as we can for you guys and just for everybody else. And Monica, do you, did you have anything you wanted to say before we click off? Yes, all ethnicities are welcome. <laughs> yeah, yes, all ethnicities yes. are welcome. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, no, well, just I think you, you cut off, Judy, so sorry. Thank you everybody for joining us. <laughs> I just wanted to thank yeah. everybody for joining us and join the future webinars and calls and everything we have. Does anybody thank speak you, robot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was saying thank you everybody for joining us. I yes. was more referring to the initial part of that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or well, I'm... We're a diverse, a diverse group, so Probably yeah. somebody does. Robots are great. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to upload. Right, Monica, could you upload it? For some reason, it's not letting me upload. Yeah, I will. The... I will. In the in the in, in the, the chat. I'm gonna upload it in the ah oh, in the chat. Yes. Yeah. Of course. If we can actually do that, I don't know if we're able to. Yeah, I actually have a link um, that I can share in the chat. Um, let me see. Awesome. Okay. I don't know, did anybody have any questions or uh, any questions about, you know, any upcoming projects or webinars or anything like that before uh, we sign off and once we have this flyer up? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, upload it in our uh, LinkedIn. Okay, so, so yeah, you'll be able to... Access. You'll be able to get that flyer on LinkedIn. Please share, you guys. Uh, the more that you share every post that we have, uh, the more it helps the organization grow. So, um, yeah, well, thank you so much for showing up, you guys. Uh, if you ever need anything, reach out to me, Monica, Dan, 
uh, or Judy, and we're happy to help. I'm here too. Chris, Chris, Chris. <laughs> Chris is here too, but he's on no social network. So yes, the medical. All right. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's a little difficult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Everybody okay. have a good month. Thank, Thank you. Guys. You too. Let me. I'm you adding guys. you to my network. <laughs> Thank you, Thank guys. You. Everybody, add everybody. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>